Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. This is this was probably my favorite part. <laughs> this is the best part. Yeah. <laughs> you know who used to cut glass? Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> you know what happened to him? He died choking on his own vomit. Daddy, I skipped Latin. Oh, well, I can understand why you wouldn't want to learn about that. It's only the building block of our language. <laughs> uh, Mom says... I'm just glad your grandmother wasn't alive to hear about this. That's the most disgusting thing she ever says in this year. <laughs> yeah, that's so sad. <laughs> you can't cut corners in life. You know who cut corners? Kennedy. Kennedy cut corners when he was running the Bay of Pigs. A lot of good men lost their lives because of it. You know who else cut corners? Janis Joplin. Dad, what are you talking about? You don't make any sense. I just cut class, and guess what? Everybody's still alive. Just leave me alone. You understand what I'm saying. Don't you, Sam? Yeah. Good. Now pass the rolls. <laughs> Almost no two people live the same life. And if you find two that do, it's probably because neither of them led very interesting lives. But at least one anguish we've all had in common is the fearful uncertainty and crowded loneliness of high school. Somewhere between two and four years of petulant confusion and maneuvering around messes that got a lot bigger than they needed to. And even after all the suffering, don't you find the bitterness start to burn off pretty easily? Don't you think back every now and then and say to yourself, man, we had some fun. That is the essence that was captured by two young comedy writers in 1999 with a series they released that didn't quite find its audience soon enough. Of course, it's ended up becoming one of the great immortal scriptures of what all those feelings meant and how real they were. And to make poetry of the whole situation, those two writers have become a couple of the most bankable and commercially successful mainstream filmmakers in pop culture today. Hey, I'm Sweets. Hey, I'm Slaney. And this is The Show Show. It is a show about shows. For episode two, we are talking about a show that's so much more than a cult favorite. It's awkward, it's complex, it's oddly depressing and hilarious. In short, it's all of us. Here's The Show Show on Freaks and Geeks. Oh, right. I, I don't like that song either. Really? It's so loud. And maybe it's just because it's on Netflix. But like, it's the levels are higher than the rest of the show or something. It's just, it's so aggressive. I guess uh, it's supposed to be. I don't, is that song from 1980? Because it's kind of wrong for them to use a song that's not from the era the show is set in. Um, Let's go to our good friends at Google. Okay. That song is also in Shrek. It's on the Shrek soundtrack. Yeah, because Shrek takes place in 1980. <laughs> I assume it's called Bad Reputation. Yep, by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts was used oh. as a... Uh... So it is old. It is old. Released 1981. Oh, no. The show is distinctly set in 1980. <sighs> Damn. It's a continuity error. Wait. Is a rock song performed by Joan Jett, the first, first released on her debut album titled Bad Reputation in 1980? Okay. Saved it. It was a current hit at the time. Yeah. Why do you think that that show needed to be set in 1980 because the show is a microcosm and it's supposed to be universal in that this is the quintessence of of the high school experience no matter what era you lived in so why did they need to set it 20 30 years before it was made i don't know that they needed to i think it was just autobiographical of paul feig's life i guess i think that's probably that's what i was going to go towards yeah paul feig doesn't get enough credit for this show like it, judd apatow talks about it every time he does a long-form interview right paul feig wrote it yeah, yep. <laughs> it's his show. I know. That's what I was wondering too. When I saw written by Paul Feig at the beginning of it, created by Paul Feig. Yeah, created and written. I was kind of, I was like, so did Judd Apatow just throw the money at it and also give like creative direction? But and I think he cast it and probably right. did some directing for it. Sure. 
But yeah, all those actors who are now, I mean, some of the world's biggest stars, yeah. um, they all give all this credit to Judd Apatow. So he was kind of like their, their ringleader, their godfather. Maybe he was like the Lorne Michaels of it all. Lorne Michaels did create SNL, though. <sighs> Damn it. Ah. <laughs> it's amazing that both of those guys have become so powerful in comedy. And, and, and not just Judd Apatow, because though Paul Feig is less of a household name, mm-hmm. I mean, Bridesmaids, first of all. He wrote Bridesmaids. He wrote 40-Year-Old Virgin, didn't he? Or did Seth Rogen write that? No. Yeah, I think he wrote 40-Year-Old Virgin. Maybe. Seth Rogen wrote Knocked Up? No. Judd Apatow wrote Knocked Up. Okay. Because it's too long and oddly depressing. And <laughs> Do you find? I don't think it's oddly depressing. Knocked Up? Yeah. There's, I mean, like, they deal with real shit, which is kind of kind of what Judd Apatow likes to do. And I guess he's kind of stuck with that, too. Like, yeah. that's, that's the material that he likes to deal with. Sure. Um, but, yeah, there's some really dark shit in Knocked Up. I didn't think it was, like, funny people. Like No, that was... Funny People was a mess. And I've gone back and I've watched it a couple of times to try and, and see what it's good for. Yeah. And I, I can see it. But the biggest problem with, with Funny People, aside from that it was too long and all the characters were hateful, uh, is that it was promoted really poorly because they really led you to believe it was this movie about Adam Sandler, a legendary uh, movie star comedian who gets cancer. And then about 40 minutes into a two and a half hour movie, his cancer's gone. And you're sitting in the theater going, is this... Is is this a dream sequence? But no, his cancer never comes back. Yeah, he's he's beat it. Yeah, at minute forty, and then the rest of the thing is just about him and Seth Rogen's relationship. I also have a hunch that one of the reasons Freaks and Geeks didn't didn't pay off right away is that it was on in nineteen ninety nine. The pilot for that seventy show aired in nineteen ninety eight. Like, it had just started. We just got this period piece that the era wasn't that different from. And that 70s show, probably a little bit more um, universally accessible to a mainstream American audience. It's a basic multi-camera sitcom. Yep. You can watch it. It's a little bit more out there than mm-hmm. Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks has this element of, of darkness in it. I mean, they have they have a, a, a kid who plays a pretty major role in the pilot who's got like a mental disorder and Lindsay calls him retarded. Yeah. Like that's whole, a, that's a, that's a bold place to start with a series. The whole comedy slash drama thing at the time on NBC was, and no one really was ready for it. I don't think, I think it was a loved show at the time too, Yeah, but just by too few people. Yeah. But it has become, I mean, like I said in the intro, it's become a cult favorite and a lot of people have had the opportunity to watch it on Netflix or uh, through the DVD box set or whatever. Yep. But what is it that makes a show or a movie resonate with people later? Why, like, why well, is it that so many of these things that, that are actually timeless don't, don't work in the time they're released? You know, I don't know. I think it was because it was released on network TV. It wasn't released in a time where you can release anything anywhere and let it just establish a, a following. Yeah. So... Now it could be released on Netflix and its views on Netflix far outweigh all of the views that it had on NBC when it was live, right. for sure. Um, and also, I think that it's put placing it in 1980 was smart mm-hmm. because it will never feel dated. Yeah. Because it, they made it dated at the time. But they did this nice thing with Freaks and Geeks. I mean, for the most part, they did this nice thing where they didn't harp on the era it was set in. Yeah. Like, whereas that 70s show, like, really wears the clothes, and, and so does Freaks and Geeks, but, like, 
they kind of wink at the camera a little bit in that 70s show. Whereas the only references to the time that happened in Freaks and Geeks are because they're things that are really important in the characters' lives. Like when John Bonham dies and Jason Segel's character is like really distraught over that. Right. That's that's the thing that informs his character. But the That 70s Show characters are kind of just plucked from any old basement and are put in silly clothes. Right. And they use terms like douchebag that I don't think were used that often in the 70s by teenagers. That's an interesting... I didn't think we'd be comparing That 70s Show to Freaks and Geeks. No? But I like it. I do think that that 70s show is way more of an accessible show mm-hmm. it's you know classic sitcom setup punchline. I, I think it's brilliant for the record i've been watching a lot of that 70s show on netflix and i think it's it's hilarious it's one of the last great multi-camera studio audience sitcoms it was one of those shows that's on like tv land and you accidentally stop on it and, and watch six episodes end up watching yes just Absolutely. kind of binge watching it well and it's funny because i mean red foreman is one of the great TV dads of all time. Yep. He's one of the best characters on that show. Ashton Kutcher's hilarious. So funny. Danny Masterson's awesome. Um, and, and and Harold and Freaks and Geeks, he's yep. uh, he's kind of the same character as Red Foreman. You're he's, right. He's very conservative. He's he's very rigid and tough. Yep. Um, he has a heart, but it's kind of like in there somewhere. Yeah. They're playing does, a similar person. He does a lot of things out of the, the care for his family. He seems like a more caring person up front than I think Red Foreman does. But he's, he kind of comes off as a bully sometimes. Yeah, a little bit. But that whole scene with the, you know who else died? Janis Joplin. <laughs> yeah. He's so protective. Exactly. That's, that's what I would say. He's so protective of his family. This is a show about two distinct subcultures of high school. And it's really nice that they don't, they don't focus in too much on like the the jocks or or the pretty girls right or whatever. i love how they start the episode though in the pilot episode one shot on, yeah one shot on the on the bleachers with a football player telling a girl that he's scared because of how much he loves her yeah. and then it just kind of like <laughs> pans right below to all of the stoners like james franco seth rogan the music cuts in yep well it's Jason a show Siegel. it's a show about outsiders Right, so I, I think I think probably one of the the messages is that everyone is an outsider and everyone feels marginalized by the people around them in high school, and that's true of the the popular kids also. Right. But the easiest way to identify them is to take these two subclasses of people in high school, uh, people who are classically on the outs, on the right. outside. But why do you think he picked those two specifically? Do you think that? Paul Feig and Judd Apatow, like, do you think those are the two he associates with? Because I I look at the the geeks. Especially when they're like, oh my God, Bill Murray's so funny and they're quoting Caddyshack or whatever. Right. I'm like, I can definitely see Paul Feig and Judd Apatow being 13-year-old comedy nerds in 1980. Absolutely. I think I think that's, I think they placed themselves in that kind of geek persona and they found the next interesting subculture of the like, you know, kind of pothead. Or the little comedy geeks is what they were when they were 13 and stoner rock and rollers is what they were when they were 16. Yeah, right. Yeah, could be. Cause they're a little bit older than the geeks. It, right. it, they just, they're so identifiable. Yeah. But they show uh, a real sadness in both sides too. Like a real disparity. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Do you think that the show would have benefited to, to include like one more group of people, like one more click, like freaks and geeks and sheiks, C H I C like, <laughs> Uh, no, no, <laughs> I don't. I say that because it's clearly kind of had a good run without the sheiks, but maybe at the time it needed the sheiks. I say it had a good run. I mean, it's like it's held up on that 
platform of good television. I'm just saying it would have been uh, a more accurate and fair observation at the microcosm of high school if they included uh, another group of people too, maybe those who are, are, are looked at as not having any problems and really showed them as having some problems, right? right? Because those popular kids had a hard time in high school too. Sure. But maybe those that felt um, a little bit outcast in high school right. don't want to see the jocks and the pretty girls having a hard time because well, that makes them... And I think this was at a time that like Dawson's Creek was on and Dawson's Creek was doing that just fine. Here's a bunch of good-looking kids and their problems. There are lots of shows about good-looking kids that have problems. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So I think this was kind of a supposed to make you do a double take. Although it still has like James Franco in it. and Well, uh, he's he's very... He's obviously very good-looking, but for the most part, they did not cast like... A bunch of good-looking people. No, Linda Cardellini is is very classically pretty, yeah. I guess. Although she's such a tomboy in it. And isn't she the one that dated Jason Segel and that Jason Segel wrote Forgetting Sarah Marshall about? That's what the 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 urban myth is. I've oh, heard okay. him dispel it. They they oh. did date, and the opening sequence of of Forgetting Sarah Marshall where she breaks up with him and he's naked. Yeah. That is apparently an experience that Jason Segel's had. <laughs> okay, interesting. Uh, and, and like, there's a line in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where where they're like halfway through the breakup and, and, and Kristen Bell says, can you please put on some clothes? And he says, no, I'm not putting on clothes because that means it's over. Like in his head, he has he has registered the the, the period where he's naked as the purgatory while he still has a <laughs> right. girlfriend. She can't be breaking up with him because his pants are off. Exactly. Um, he says that is a real feeling that went through his went through his heart while that was happening but that it wasn't linda cardellini the era was just roughly similar right okay gotcha they did date yeah and, and good for him because he was like he was so gawky in in that <laughs> show geeks. that's what i was getting at is that uh, other than franco and and the Lindsay character not a lot of good looking people in the show no you're right other than the people who are supposed to be good looking like Cindy yeah. Sanders and It was it was as close as they could probably get to doing like Degrassi Junior High in the States. You know what? I want to back up cuz I just had a realization. Um, I was saying that uh, the the popular kids and uh, how they don't have struggles either. If you look at the character of Alan, who's the bully that really picks on the nerds. Yeah. He's at first he's like I guess your archetype of of a cool kid who's picking on someone who's beneath him, but you very quickly realize that Alan's not cool at this he's high not school really either. A, he's not really a cool kid. He's no. just kind of an asshole. He's he's an asshole, and he and he's such a loser too. He's he's got like no friends. He's weird looking too. Yeah, the teachers are mean to him too. Yeah, it's he's they're just really um, illustrating the the hierarchy, the structure of of the, almost the food chain in a high school. Yeah, because there's no way he's he's hanging out with the cool kids. You're right, and maybe that's what the show's kind of trying to say too. Is there's, you know, everyone thinks there's cool kids but maybe like no one really thinks of themselves as cool kids no. and this is kind of a shining a light on everyone's a either a freak or geek. you fall into either category right in best case scenario if you're if you're somebody who probably is one of the stereotypical cool kids mm -hmm. you're you probably identify yourself as yeah i'm just somebody who gets along with everybody right because you don't want to think of yourself as better than somebody right unless no one... unless you are in which case you're the queen bee but there's only a couple of those in every high school right no one says I was a cool kid in high school. I don't think so. They do. Fuck them. I feel. I feel like. I feel like you probably were though. You feel like I was a cool kid. I didn't know you in high school. I was a guy that kind of got along with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's how I want to identify myself too. But I really didn't. I had a couple of friends that were absolutely like a listers sure. in, in my high school, but I was seen as an extension of them. I think. 
Okay. Yeah, but I guess everyone's kind of seen as an extension of the people they hang out with. I, you know, I wasn't like bagging chicks or anything. I was like 115 (laughs) pounds or whatever at the time, which like really hit home when uh, Alan, the bully, says like, oh man, you don't even weigh over 100 pounds. (laughs) It's like, ah, that, that was definitely me in junior high. So there's a part of you that was Sam Weir. Definitely, yeah. I, I I was watching the whole show, kind of identifying with different people. Yeah, that was the power of Freaks and Geeks. Although, you know what I don't like about Freaks and Geeks is at one point they end up having like kind of like a pot awareness episode. Do you remember that? It ends yep. up being kind of like a PSA. It does about not doing drugs, and it feels like maybe NBC pushed them to do it because I can't see Jed Apatow or Paul Feig being like, right, we need to like drive home the point about drugs being bad and that's one episode. I, I i agree with you but if that happened if the network got in their uh, in their face about it it's only because they had kind of been making light of it up until then i think maybe that was the thing like now that would never happen no one really cares about weed well except for that it wouldn't happen on a network uh, a, a network like this show in general wouldn't happen on a network and if freaks and geeks came out on on netflix as one of their original series or it was on amc or something the kids would swear and they would smoke in every episode and they would have sex and everything maybe and, and but that's I what mean, the show was trying to get at and yeah. they, they they danced around that and they were like this isn't such a big deal you're right there was an episode where where nick was too much of a stoner yeah and and jeff the guidance counselor has to be like he he brings in someone who's like this is a guy who smokes pot all the time. And it ends up being like a really damaged person with mental problems, basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is what pot will do to you. Well, maybe that's another reason why the show didn't work is that it, it wasn't it wasn't quite allowed to be as edgy as, as it would have been or beneficial. Maybe, or maybe that's just how much of a big deal pot was in 1980 and people were scared of it in high schools. I don't know. Well, I mean, they were still playing like Reefer Madness videos in classrooms in the 70s. Yeah, and, and, and we were told in junior high in like PDR class or health class or whatever don't don't do any drugs let's make a let's make a balloon chart of all the drugs and you you list like crystal meth up there with marijuana as if they're the same and i can remember a time when i thought they were the same maybe that's what they were trying to do just show how important this cause was to some people in 1980 yeah and how that affected the minds of the people that were actually smoking and were well, like, wait am i gonna be so fucked up because of smoking weed and how they couldn't compartmentalize this is illustrated again in the father character when he says that cutting class is the same as choking on your own vomit and dying <laughs> right it's yeah. like he just kind of sees everything as bad if it's something he doesn't understand yeah the same thing happens when um, he's, uh, I don't know if it's the Sex Pistols or, or the Who or something, and he's saying they spit on their audience. It's the parents, the older people don't understand what the kids are going through. Right. Yeah, I think you nailed it. The parents don't understand. Would Freaks and Geeks... As Will Smith says, parents just don't understand. He did say that. He was right. I think that's one of the reasons people relate to Will Smith. I know. He's just <laughs> such a normal guy. I want to hang out with him. I feel like he's not normal. I feel like if you were to hang around with Will Smith, he'd have a posse. He's got to be kind of alien-like. Yeah. No one puts that much... Like, I just would love to have a conversation with him. He seems so real, but I bet he's not. I think he's not real. He's too jacked to be real. <laughs> he's Once too you, jacked we, and perfect. You reach a certain level of, of jackedness. Yeah. You no longer relate to the rest of mainstream society. And he's got like an open relationship with his wife, famously. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't trust that guy no more. No, we can't. And he's a parent, so it's kind of hypocritical for him to... <laughs> Can that be our new uh, tagline at the end? Don't trust Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Maybe we'll have a different sign-off every episode. This was kind of a launch pad for a bunch of different characters. I don't know. Do you want to quarterback this whole episode? Because you can probably do it better than I can. I mean, I can. I liked where you were going with that, though. I was going to go there next. Okay, cool. I was going to ask you if you thought one of the reasons, and maybe the only fucking reason, that this show has had such a resurgence in the last five years or whatever, is because these people have become some of the biggest stars in the world. And not just two of them. Okay, like Franco, Seth Rogen, Jason Segel, Linda Cardellini was in the last Avengers movie. She's not a huge star. Right. But like Martin Starr is on uh, Silicon Valley. Yep. Um, Busy Phillips is seen around. She was on Cougar Town for a while. She was on the last episode of uh, New Girl, I think. Okay. Yeah. The guy who played Neil never really, never really became anything. He does a podcast with Kevin Pollack, of all things. And oh, it- the guy who played, um, oh, he does a podcast with Kevin Pollack. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He was in, it's weird because he was in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, he's been in things. Yeah. The kid who played Sam was on Bones. I know. He was in for Waiting. So long. He, actually, his character's name was Sweets. In Waiting? In Bones. Oh, okay. And lots of people have come up to me. And they've been like, so do you get your name from, from Bones? Bones? And I'm like, yeah, I, t- I, took my, I took my nickname from a tertiary character in Bones. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me want to call myself Bones in the podcast, so everyone will just think it's a Bones-related podcast. Just the whole thing Bones is just, just talk sweets. about Bones. Sweets and Bones. Oh, we can now have a, a Bones podcast. <laughs> it's just named after the Sam character from, from Bones. I don't know what the actor's name is. Do you think that, that because those people have become so popular, looking back at them when they were young and unfamous is one of the spectacles of Freaks and Geeks? Yeah, I think definitely it it, it forces people to watch it because you don't see people, you know, flocking quite as much to shows like Degrassi. Right. <laughs> you know, it's got kind of a cult following on its own, but... Unless and a universality. Uh, well, and I guess Drake came from it too. Right, there's a couple people who yeah. came. But, but the show doesn't stand up because no. it took itself very seriously. Yep. And, I mean, so did Freaks and Geeks to an extent. There's also just the fact that Judd Apatow... And Paul Feig, to an extent, though not with the same casts anymore. Judd Apatow has always um, recycled the same people over and over again. And I mean, like, his first big deal of a movie... No, his first big big, big deal of a movie was 40-Year-Old Virgin. But, like, Knocked Up came out. And it was essentially a Freaks and Geeks reunion. Like, it had... Yeah. it All the guys that Seth Rogen lived with in that movie were, like, characters from Freaks and Geeks. But then James Franco has a cameo as himself in Knocked Up. Yes. Yep. So, like, that, they just did that because they could. I know. The, the movie was essentially a, a reunion. I'm going to keep spiraling off here, but did you see the news about James Franco and his interview where he said, like, I'm kind of gay and yeah. kind of straight? Yeah, and I I, I, I... I clicked on it for sure because I just... I'm it was all, clickbait is what it was. Yeah. He is... he. I actually have a tremendous amount of respect for Franco as an artist. He's the master of, of mystery. He, and he just... He knows that it doesn't matter. Yeah, he it, like he's if like, he if he doesn't care, eventually people will be like, yeah, whatever. He's but, addressing the media about the media in in the interview, and he's like, well, I guess the media is gonna say I'm gay, so I guess I'm kind of gay. He's also, I think, like a very fluid and open person, but he is in a a fortunate situation where he can be as weird as he wants, and there's really no threat to his heterosexuality. Right. Everyone knows he doesn't have sex with guys. It, so so Seth Rogen, it's, that's what makes these jokes funnier when he says that he's super gay. Right. And Yeah, the jokes from, like, this is the end. All the jokes from this is the end just become so much more funnier because, you know, he just doesn't take it seriously. And the night before. he's They, they write him really gay in the night before, too. Right. Uh, that's kind of a bit of a spoiler alert that, that, that uh, 
that Franco exists in that. By the way, I wanted to mention to you, did I did I say this to you already? I want to have uh, Becky record um, spoiler alerts for yes. each episode. Yep. And I want her to do it in a different ex- uh, different accent every time. Or maybe the impression of a character from that show. Oh, that'd be fine. Yeah, she couldn't do that. Can it always be a man character? <laughs> yeah, so I'd be like, spoiler alert, this is James Franco. That's not a good James Franco. <laughs> that was kind of Christopher Walken uh, getting punched in the face by James Franco. <laughs> um, Jason Siegel's told the story, I think it might have been on Strombo a long time ago, because uh, Jason Siegel especially has like, always remained willing to talk about this show. Yeah. He, he told this really interesting story about how when he was first trying to get into acting, uh, before he'd met Judd, he saw the pilot script for this show called Freaks and Geeks floating around, and he didn't really feel that drawn to it because by the title, he kind of assumed it was like a Nickelodeon kids show. Okay. And I can kind of get that. Yep. It reminds me a little bit of The Princess Bride, and you're a good person to talk to about this because you didn't watch The Princess Bride for so, so long, and I always believed it was because the title is The Princess Bride. Well, I don't believe that it came up that often. It wasn't like a group of my friends were saying, do you want to watch the princess bride? And I said, no, because of the name, it just, I had only really heard of it in the last like few years. Mm -hmm. And and I guess more now because it's on Netflix and stuff, but well, and it became, I mean, not unlike freaks and geeks. It went away for a long time. People forget this about, uh, Ferris Bueller's day off and all these things that now have cult status. They went away. Right. After they stopped having a modicum of popularity. Mm-hmm. And then they came back bigger than ever. That's the case with Freaks and Geeks. It's the case with, with The Princess Bride. But uh, I, I was having a, a bit of a thread war on Reddit not too long ago about, I think it was an Ask Reddit, about uh, what are the movies that everyone loves that you've never seen. And someone wrote The Princess Bride, I can't get past the title. And I wrote, that's the point. That is what The Princess Bride is about. It's about right. a kid who doesn't want to read a kissing book. Right. And he gets super into it. Mm-hmm. And Freaks and Geeks, I mean, that's it's not quite as complex as that. It's just a catchy title. And it does have a childish new, childishness to it. But there's a, there's a funny thing with Freaks and Geeks where probably 75% of the episodes are named after like plays on Freaks and Geeks. Right. So like tests and breasts. They're, yes. they're all like rhyming couplets of words. Yeah. Did you notice Lizzie Kaplan in the uh, pilot episode? Yeah, yeah. I And super small part in that. But she, does she end up having bigger roles in it? Uh, I think she comes back again. She definitely comes back again. She was almost uh, cast in Cardellini's role. Oh, really? Yeah, so she was almost cast in Cardellini's role. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg was almost cast in Sam's role. That's impossible to think of. I mean, I get it because Sam is such a straight character. Yeah. And Jesse Eisenberg does that best. But there's always such a darkness to Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, you're right. It's really hard. Like, I don't know if he has the innocence of of the Sam Weir character. But as a little kid, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I think it's because we've seen him as Zuckerberg. But he's always played a character with darkness. He's never played like a... What did he do before Zuckerberg? Um, I mean, like Adventureland and Zombieland. Right. Facebook land. Facebook land. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Superman I, land. Well, he, he wasn't as bad in that as everybody says. Everyone's like, oh, he's so awkward as Lex Luthor. But I thought he was awesome. Lex Luthor And, and menacing. Who else was there? The guy who played Eli was great. Oh, yeah. Do you think he was actually special? No. No? He's an actor. Oh, really? Like, he's a he's a straight-up actor. He's been in stuff. I Googled him. He's excellent. He's got, like, like model good looks and is in a bunch of movies. Oh, man. When... <laughs> When uh, when she dances with him at the end to come sail away, yeah, 
Yeah. I love how the song turns really fast. and uh, Just as he's slow Sam, dancing with Cindy? Sam wants a slow song so badly. It's the perfect illustration of poor timing. Yeah. There's something weird that, uh, speaking of Come Sail Away, there's this weird thing I've noticed in re-watching Freaks and Geeks this week uh, where they highlight the music of a certain artist per episode. Right. So, like, they played... episode Come, was Sticks. It was Sticks, because they played Renegade yep. um, earlier in the episode. There's another one later on where they play, like, a bunch of Billy Joel songs. Yeah. Uh, another one where they play a couple Who songs. It had to be an expensive score for a show that was kind of not getting by. You're right, but what's the rule on... Like, can't they play, like, up to... 11 seconds. Oh, okay. So yeah. they definitely went over 11 Definitely seconds. did. But, I mean, this is one of the things that a show like this can really do to set the tone of the show is play the music from that era. Right. If you're going to make a period piece. Yeah. And that 70s show didn't do a ton of that. I mean, the little transitions between sequences where they have, like, a Donna floating through a, a yellow background or something... They have these 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 musical interludes that sound like a certain era, right. but they're not taken from a Zeppelin no, record. No, from a song. You know what? I remember hearing something about this because I was a big fan of the the Judd Apatow show afterwards, Undeclared. Yeah. I know that there's songs that they weren't allowed to put in the DVD series that they had originally in the show. Really? Like they had, yeah, like there's one one where they're, uh, where Seth Rogen and uh, the guy from... Sons of Anarchy. What's his Charlie name? Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam are day traders. Okay. <laughs> and they're just like making money hand over fist and basically like making it rain before making it rain was the thing. Yeah. And Big Pimpin's Plan by Jay-Z. Oh, really? But they changed it in the DVD series. And I think it was because of musical rights. My sister told me that. So Really? We'll have to- I think there was another scene in Freaks and Geeks where I noticed, because I've seen the show like a bunch of times. It's one of those things I'll put on. Yeah. But I haven't watched in about three years which is why it's been fun for me to rewatch it but there was a scene i wish i could remember what it was where i was pretty sure it was just like a two-hander scene there's two people awkwardly having a conversation and i was pretty sure there never used to be music in the background right uh that's one of the reasons malcolm in the middle has never been a popular dvd set because they had a lot of awesome music that they didn't have the rights to Uh, beyond airing it on networks interesting you think that's why it's not a popular dvd though Malcolm in the Middle? Yeah. It is why. They made one season. They weren't allowed to put out any other, any other seasons on DVD because they didn't oh. They didn't have distribution rights. Oh, the... so it's not, it's not that it's not a popular DVD. They just actually can't put it out. No, they put out the first season. Right, and, and that was it. It probably sold fine because it was when everybody was buying TV seasons on DVD. <laughs> right. Um, which was just a short period. Malcolm in, in the Middle was pretty huge. Brilliant shot. At one point. Like, remember the, the season where Dewey went missing? That was yeah. like the season finale. And I remember people were talking all summer. I was in junior high and people were like, oh man, we're going to find out where Dewey went. They went they went to crazy lengths on that show. Yeah. It was an excellent show. It was pretty funny. I, I'd like to watch an episode now because I totally forget what they were like. I have the DVD somewhere. I've got really? the first season. You can borrow it. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking around. I don't know if it's That's hilarious here. that you do own the first season of That's that. how I know because yeah. I, I went looking for the second season and, and I allowed. Googled it and it doesn't exist crazy do you want to play a game because you've, yeah, sure. you've kind of touched on it already and i, I prepared a, a fun game and i was a little bit nervous that uh that you would nail this but i was under the impression you were more intimately connected to freaks and geeks than than it turns out you are no i think i've watched it all once um but i it's been a long time essentially this this game is inspired by the principle that not only are the main characters in freaks and geeks people who went on to have big famous careers there are all of these little cameos peppered throughout Freaks and Geeks right. from, from people who got famous later on, too. Yep. So tertiary and even like uh, just extras almost who you're like, oh, my God, that's that's Lizzie Kaplan. Right. Uh, so people like that. I, I've come up with uh, a bunch of, of pairings 
in a game I like to call Freaks and Geeks and Deeks. And Deeks. So essentially, people who who did appear on Freaks and Geeks and those who I'm going to try and fake you out with. Okay, nice. Okay? So I'm going to pair two famous people together, and you have to tell me who of the two appeared on Freaks and Geeks at some point in their run. Okay. Okay, the first one, Greg Kinnear and Ben Stiller. Uh... Ben Stiller, I believe, appeared. Correct. He appeared as a Secret Service agent when, I believe, the vice president came to McKinley High. Nice. Rashida Jones and Lauren Graham. Um, Lauren Graham, of course, from Gilmore Girls. I think maybe Rashida Jones? Correct. Rashida Jones played Kim Kelly's best friend in an episode probably third or fourth in she was such a bitch. It's very, very hard to watch because Rashida Jones always plays such an angel. Right. And she's extremely horrible to Sam. <laughs> she writes oh, wow. uh, Pick Me Geek on his locker. And wow. yeah, it's Rashida Jones. Round three, Jason Schwartzman and Seth Green. I think Seth Green was definitely in it. Wrong. Oh, Jason damn Schwartzman it. plays uh, a clothing salesman who helps to get the freaks fake IDs so they can go see a band, but he does such a poor job, he only gets them uh, fake IDs of Vietnamese and uh, Mexican people. <laughs> and so they ask for their money back. Oh, that's great. He looks like someone who should have been on that show. Yeah. Joe Latruglio or Shia LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf was in it. Yes, he was. Me. I kind of realized after we started talking that he definitely ended up being in a couple and it's, episodes. And it's funny because it's like right around early even Stevens era, so he looks exactly like Louis Stevens. Right. But he plays the kid who was the mascot for the football team. Yes. And He's then, hilarious. Yeah, and he uh, and he has an accident or something. Right, and, and, and breaks his arm. And Sam has to take over the, the mascot role. Yeah. He was really funny in that. Anna Gasteyer or Leslie Mann? Uh, I gotta say Leslie Mann, but you could be trying to fake me out with it just because it's Judd Apatow's wife. Anna Gasteyer would have been bigger at the time. I think Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann is correct. Okay. I'm trying to create couples of people who, who seem viable as somebody who was right. on that show. Totally. Yeah. You, yes. You're doing a good job. Leslie Mann played a teacher who Bill had a big crush on. Right on. Steve Higgins or John Glazer. Steve Higgins being the announcer from The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, also yep. an EP on Saturday Night Live. John Glazer, famous from Parks and Rec, and also Girls. I think John Glazer. Wrong. Whoa! Steve Higgins was on Freaks and Geeks. He had a very small little part in like the AV room. Like, you wow. only you, you would miss him, and I'm not sure he even has a line. Why was he looking for extra work in Freaks and Geeks? I don't know. Was he working at SNL in 1999? I think so. Or was so. he just doing somebody a I th- favor? I think he's been on it, like, on SNL for like, like twenty years or something, yeah, or more. Yeah, maybe he just was on the lot or something. I don't. But it was filmed in Vancouver. Was so, it really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should Google it. Maybe it was. Um, and this is the last one: Will Forte or David Crumholtz? Oh, hmm. I think David Crumholtz. Correct. Okay. David Crumholtz, who everybody just still just associates as. Um, the elf, the head elf from the Santa, <laughs> the Santa Claus. Claus. Still, after he, like like 25 years. He was great in that. Bernard. Bernard. And he's also appeared in a lot of Judd Apatow things just marginally, just yeah. like on the on the outside. Yep. Um, he's also gotten quite fat. Do you think it's because he kind of has like a Judd Apatow feel? I Judd guess Apatow he does. Judd Apatow looks at him and says like, is that me? 
Yeah, but he would be putting David Krumholtz in the lead character if that was the case. He wouldn't yeah, be casting Paul Rudd right. as, as him in yeah. This Is 40. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I think he intentionally goes for a more attractive guy. So I, I, I think you probably uh, probably won that. Uh, yeah, I think I only had one wrong. Yeah, that's pretty good. Killing it. Yeah, very good. I mean, you, you used deductive reasoning for the. Yeah, I had a good enough feel for, for most things. Oh, no, I got two wrong because I thought that Higgins wasn't in an episode. I wouldn't guess that either. That's so crazy. I know. That's really strange. Two things in the news that kind of happen around shows. Mm-hmm. First of all, most heartbreaking thing ever, and there were there were two things that happened this weekend that were that were pretty heartbreaking. Um, Prince died. Is that what you're saying? Prince died. Yeah, he's that, dead. That sucked. Did you know that he he actually went on New Girl because that was his favorite show? Yeah, he wrote into to New Girl yeah. saying this is the only show that I watch. It was literally the only television that he watched. And got on. And it was really funny. On I it. know. I've seen it. It's very strange, though, because you don't... And, I, like, I also saw a clip yesterday, because everybody was talking about Prince, uh, of him on the George Lopez show. So he just did this, like, <laughs> weird things that, like, why is the Prince George, on this? The George Lopez, like, sitcom show, not late night show? No, the late night show. Oh, okay. But even still, like... Yeah, it's... He, he wouldn't have gone on Conan. No. It's just the strangest little place for Prince to be. That is very weird. And what was the... Oh, okay. The other thing, I just read it this morning. I don't know if you read it. Patton Oswalt's wife? Yeah. That's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, I know. She's 46. Ugh. And I don't know what she did. I don't know like like She was she was a crime uh a crime blogger. What? Yeah, like a, a she had like a crime website. It's kind of not unlike when when Martin Short's wife died cuz yeah. like he's just like oh these are just such lovely happy people. Yeah, it's someone that you think is just super happy with their wife. They've got like a 7-year-old daughter. Ugh. Oh god, I was just reading through the tweets of like famous people that were wishing him well and stuff. It breaks my heart. He's a huge TV fan that Pat Oswalt. I don't know like he'll constantly just write reviews on Twitter of shows he's watching. And... He's also just a brilliant guy. Yeah. He's 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 so Oh, the cat's pooping right now. I don't know if you can hear that <laughs> on the other end. Is that what that sound is? It's fairly disrespectful. She's Yeah, she's burying her poop uh, in litter. Sorry, Patton. <laughs> uh, oh. The cat had to do that. That's the exclamation point there. But yeah, I just, I felt really bad about that. Yeah, that's really too bad. I don't, and I don't usually feel bad when I read, you know, I, I, entertainment news. I wonder what, what is it that makes us have um like visceral reactions to when celebrities die or when when celebrities go through something like this i think it's the closer you feel i feel more like pat oswald like i can relate to pat oswald more than i can relate to prince yeah <laughs> so i feel for pat oswald when his wife dies when you know when prince died it was like sad and stuff but i never had that much of a connection with him but i think on the other hand you can you can put prince in a in a similar category as someone like david bowie who totally people perceive as larger than life so it's very it's very jarring to be reminded that these people are mortals because that reminds you of your mortality right you're like oh fuck if if david bowie and prince can die in their late 50s or early 60s what what am i doing here what did he die of like pneumonia or something prince yeah well i don't know when this episode is going to come out so it, it People will probably know when this episode comes out, but like a lot of people were suspecting that it might have been a heroin overdose. Seriously? Because you exhibit flu-like symptoms when you're coming oh. down off heroin, and he had been exhibiting flu-like symptoms. But, but they just did a toxicology report that I, I kind of skimmed last night, and they didn't seem to think there was any foul play or suicide. He was a pretty devout Jehovah's Witness, too, wasn't he? He was, but he wasn't drug-free. Like, he, okay. he wasn't a junkie. 
Right. But he was definitely like a, like kind of like David Bowie, not like a history of like having a problem. Right. Like say Robin Williams. Like if it turned out that Robin Williams died of a drug overdose, people wouldn't have been surprised. Right. And David Bowie even like, I think he had some really, really, really dark years. Well, he, he was, was super famous in the seventies. Yeah. So, he, I was, mean, he was the thin white Duke for a while. who yeah. was like a cocaine fueled character basically. Prince wasn't really like, he wasn't that attached to drugs, but surely he, he did drugs. I just, I, it, it turns out he probably wasn't doing drugs. The thing is, he had epilepsy as a child. Um, he was very small. He might have just had a heart problem. Like, mm. there there are lots of different things that it might have contributed to to him having had a history of, of health problems. And, I mean, either way, to be dead at 57 is pretty sad. Yeah. I read the um, the transcript of the 911 call. Oh, God. It, it's, pr- it's pretty chilling because the person is like, they're just hanging out in, in Prince's studio. They don't know what the address is. It's it's Prince's studio. Right. So they say to the person, like, uh, we've got a person who's, who's like, unresponsive here. And the lady's like, where are you? And he's, like, rifling like, around. Prince's for house. A... Yeah, that's what he says. He really? He says, we're at Prince's house. He's, like, rifling also, around. Also, the person for... is Prince. He, you're getting ahead of me here. Oh, okay. He, he He is looking around for a piece of mail. He's, like, has no idea. And the lady's being very impatient. And he, so eventually he's just, like, it, we're at Prince's house. Does that mean anything to you? And she's, like, well, only sort of. Uh, and she's, like, really rushing him because she thinks it's an emergency. And she's, like, well, no, the person is dead. So uh, it's not that much an emer- of an emergency. The caller's, like, singing lyrics. He's, like, okay, he did this song <laughs> and this song. Do you know? Do you know uh, Prince? I don't know. No, because they were in Minneapolis. So I feel right, like everyone okay. knows Prince there. Yeah. Um, is that where he was from? No, he's from Minnesota. Yeah, he was from some like backwater place you wouldn't expect. Huh. Really, really, really too bad. It's really quite a shame. You know what's frustrating though, and I and I see this every time. Uh, it would have happened when when John Bonham died in 1980. Had had Facebook been a thing, but I'm so oh, fucking sick of this, and it makes me so angry. I don't have a sense of humor about it at people all. People making people dying about themselves. Is that not quite? It's it's when people say things like, "Man, Prince dies, but we still have Nicki Minaj." Um, or like, yeah. oh, can't we can't we trade in Justin Bieber and get David Bowie back? Right. Don't fucking say that, <laughs> yeah. man. It's you like, can't do that. No, first of all, that's fucking terrible. It's also it's also not at all the attitude that Prince or David Bowie would want you to have. Right. They were all about love. Yeah. And it, you're talking about like a person's life. Like, yeah. do you really think that you'd feel better if a 21 year old with an attitude problem was dead? I think yeah. I think you, you wish just, him dead. I think you just don't want to hear his music. You yeah. don't want him to die. Well, and and like it, it, the people also generationally seem not to realize how much they sound like their parents when they say that the music of today is nothing like it yeah. used to be. I know, I hate that. It's it's so closed-minded. Yep. And I mean, I work in we both work in in pop radio mm-hmm. and we play justin bieber sure when, when people say things like these people have no talent i'm just i'm just over it i can't yeah. i can't have a rational conversation <laughs> yeah. with you when people say like when um noel gallagher says i don't want to live in a world where ed sheeran can sell out madison square garden or whatever he said did he say that yeah it wasn't madison square garden it was whatever the uh whatever the the british equivalent is i like forget the o2 arena or whatever it is yeah. um, i don't want to live in a world where ed sheeran Ed Sheeran is the most talented person in pop music. Like, what the fuck is the matter? You just don't like him because he's 23. Right. Like, and that's that's so frustrating. And Justin Bieber has had an attitude problem. But and, but you and, don't and, wish him dead, sweets. No, and Kanye West has an attitude problem and has got a whole lot going on. Yeah. But he's he's not almost not wrong when he says he's a genius. Like... Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I heard Questlove speak on uh, Kanye West, and he kind of had this, like 
this I heard him on another podcast and he basically was likening him to like Amy Winehouse on a down, downward spiral without saying so much, just kind of being like, yeah, you know, it's kind of unfortunate what's happening to him right now. To Kanye. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he was saying like what what Life of Pablo is new record, what it kind of like reminded him of. And it reminded him of some like Parliament Funk album that was huge. But he he just said like I think it's George Clinton. I yeah probably. Uh, but he was like on a downward spiral at the time, and like people were fueling it and like buying his album, and like you couldn't talk him down. And then he was kind of saying, you know, you can't really talk people down when they're at that point because they'll just avoid you. Well, so you- if it's like drugs and stuff, like it was with with Amy Winehouse yep. or just kind of like psychologically trying to bring people back down to the ground, they're just going to cut you out of their life. If they, if you're not kind of going along with the shit they're doing, there's really no way for you not to be seen as, uh, as doing it wrong. Right. You know, especially when you're on such a level of fame and, and reverence as these people, you look at someone like Taylor Swift, who is, um, aesthetically the opposite of Kanye West. I mean, right. she's, she's, plays the humble card and she's like the girl next door and right. I mean she's not her legs go down for miles I mean right. but she's like a supermodel she is clean cut she is squeaky clean she's never had a scandal right never once and people hate that about her right you know what I mean so you can't win no I know. you really can't and people almost try and create a scandal out of, they're desperate to create a Taylor Swift scandal I know. so when she gets in a breakup it's like oh my god is she doing heroin but it's, when there's that much attention and frustration on you, I think it. I get to the point where I'm kind of, if there's not a scandal about someone, just give it time. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, no one thought there would be a scandal about Tiger Woods. No. Nope. Good example. Bill Cosby. But, I mean, we've been on the fringe of one for Jimmy Fallon for a few months now. Like, yeah. it's going to happen with Jimmy Fallon. Just him getting, like, crazy drunk or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, is he ever with his family? Because whenever he's on hiatus, he seems to be in, like, Hollywood or Chicago That's or like interesting. Yeah, there's there's something dark about Jimmy Fallon and the world only peripherally knows about it. I don't know if it's that it's dark. I've I find him so interesting because I've like read on online and stuff that he's I guess just one of those figures that loves to party. Yep. Loves to party, like buys shots for the whole bar. Yep. Everyone apparently in New York has a Jimmy Fallon story or everyone in the business has a Jimmy Fallon story about like, oh, there's this one night where we were up to like 3 a.m. Yeah, but he's so, like 42 and has two babies. Yes, which is a little bit worrisome, right? Yeah. Now. But like the whole ring thing, remember? Yeah, like yeah. his like people said that was actually him like falling down. Well, when he, he got had like two hand injuries in a month. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he and one of them he admits was because he, he was drunk. He was accepting an award, I think, at Harvard or something, and he was super hammered. Oh wow! And like it, it's kind of it's kind of affable to those who aren't quite paying very close attention because uh, he's like an Irish kid and he's so boyish. Sure, but yeah, there's there's something there's something extra going on there, and maybe it's fine because you think so because I don't want to be concerned. I don't want to <laughs> be concerned. I mean, I'm I'm somebody who really who really eats up celebrity gossip and stuff. Sure. It's just like, it's a thing that, that I'm and not like the really trashy stuff, but I'm interested in celebrities lives and I, I'm not interested in sports. And I remember somebody showed me this website and I wish he never showed it to me. And I'm so glad I don't remember what it was called, but essentially this website is run by a lawyer in Hollywood um, who employs a team of investigative journalists 
to go around Hollywood and New York and wherever famous people are and get dirt on famous people. And then they... <laughs> I think it's TMZ.com. No, no, no. It could, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's sketchier than that. What they do is they print it all. They, they print everything and they don't put the person's name there. So they, they generate traffic by making a game out of, can you guess who we're talking about? Oh, so whoa. they're also not at risk of getting sued. Right. So they can say, there's a 40-year-old there's a male person who is extremely famous, very popular in the late night circuit, used to be on Saturday Night Live, oh, God. cheats on his wife every weekend. Oh, so they'll say shit like that. No. And and so like that's a thing that that uh, the extension of the rumors about Jimmy Fallon has kind of grown into. Maybe he does have a drinking problem. Right. If that's the worst of it, I, I would almost really like Jimmy Fallon to look in the camera and say, you know what? I'm actually going through something. I, th I think I've been drinking too much. I would love Jimmy Fallon more right. if that happened. But if I found out he it was true that he cheats on his wife and doesn't actually love his kids because they're adopted oh, that God. would be hard to forgive what? are they adopted yeah they're 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 uh surrogate babies oh, wow. so they're not adopted they are technically his but his wife can't carry huh i but that is one of the rumors that he that he's not he doesn't love his family and, and i don't believe that but it's there and then you can't forget it sometimes when you watch him what i want to think is that he does just like to party on the weekend. Like, I, I totally want to be on Jimmy Fallon's side on this. Although he's, like, one of the most famous people. I've got a bit of a soft spot for him, you know? He's, I do, too. And I there are, seems like a likable person. There are a lot of people who really hate Jimmy Fallon. And they're like, I don't. he's not funny. He's not talented. Yeah, sure. And it's like Ed Sheeran. You're going to tell me Jimmy Fallon's not talented? I right. can't have a rational conversation with you. Yeah. You don't have to find him amusing. But almost nobody can do what Jimmy Fallon does. Yeah. yeah. He's sensational. That's true. Let's reel it back in. Uh, in talking about, about Judd Apatow and his, his power, uh, the other shows that he's produced post Freaks and Geeks, we talked a little bit about Undeclared. Mm -hmm. This is a show that it, it was kind of just like if it was set in the mid-80s, it would just be the same characters after having graduated and gone to university. Yeah. Although, although half, if not more than half of the characters in Freaks and Geeks absolutely didn't go to university. But it, it's, it's just the same awkward microcosm in mm -hmm. the next generation app. Totally, totally, and uh, I, speaking as someone who was in junior high when that show came out and was kind of like, oh, cool, this show's about college and, like, these funny characters, I totally connected with it. Like, yep. I, I was, like, totally on board with that show. I just wanted it to, to be what I hopefully got when I went to university. It was yeah. just, friend, it was like friends, but in college. And then, more recently, Judd has either written and created shows that have become popular or or less than popular or he's been at least attached to them like like something like girls this is an opportunity to talk about girls right um which is a show that was really special when it first came on it was like this is really willing to go there in terms of drawing out some of the flaws in the in in the depiction of young life in new york and then it very quickly went in on itself and, and it's just so hateful to watch. And yeah. I still sit there and watch it. I just finished the most recent season. That's why I call Broad City like the funny version of Girls. Girls that's not fucking it up. Although Broad City is not as realistic, right? No, no, not at all. The it's, thing about, it's like a pure comedy. The thing about Love, which is a thing that took me a couple episodes to get into. This is the Netflix show that Judd Apatow if he wrote it i don't think he mostly wrote it but he i he think did. paul Rust did most of the writing on okay it. he he ep'd it anyway yeah it is pretty real like one of the reasons you don't like these characters is because you 
they're real. And, and and if most of us were turned into TV characters, we wouldn't like ourselves in the TV show. No. We like TV characters when they're squeaky clean. Yeah. But they're not realistic that way. So do you want to see something that's realistic if it makes if it makes it kind of hard to watch? Yeah, well, I think that now we're entering Horace and Pete lane. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Which is like, that's as fucking real as you can get. Yeah. And it's the hardest thing to watch. Yeah. So I think... To a certain extent, TV might start getting more real because of these. Uh, there's more, more mediums to put it on. Yeah, it's through the internet and through Netflix. Like Love is on, but I don't necessarily want to watch it. I can watch Love because there's enough comedy in there to not make me depressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, things are happening, but they either have to be funny or happy or sad. And something where a show where everything is happy all the time is not a show. Yeah, well, you take a show like The Office, which is something that people get really connected to and people yeah. really feel strongly about. That show's not realistic. There, no. There's nobody in the world who's like Dwight. It's not a real person. Right. But you, when he's sad, you feel sad. So you don't have to... You don't have to be real to evoke emotions in people. So why do artists feel like they have to be real? That's a great question. I think maybe it's a quest for originality. They're trying to do something completely different from from things that have been done. Right. They don't want to be that 70s show. They want to write something that's got more depth to it. And well, sometimes the quest for more depth is just writing a depressing show. <laughs> and it's understood also that realness has the most uh, universality, universalism or whatever. Real, recognize real. Y- yeah, except <laughs> it's hard like because that. like... If you read Catcher in the Rye at the right age, it's the most amazing thing you've ever read. But if you don't, if you don't get in in that right little window, mm-hmm. you hate that kid, right? You know, yeah. So, so, so maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe people are just not as a as afraid of of only having a niche audience anymore. In fact, that's what they seek, right? Like, like Judd Apatow didn't make Love expecting it to become The Big Bang Theory, yeah. You're but, totally right. But probably when Freaks and Geeks was made, we want this to get as big as it possibly can. We want this to be the ER of high school shows. Right. Yeah. And then Cardellini said, screw this. I'm going to the actual ER. She wasn't on ER. Yeah, she was. Linda Cardellini. Yeah. Really? Okay. I'm going to test you on that. Okay. Good. Because I'm now doubting myself because of your... She was on something. Question. Even though she's not worked as much as many of the rest of them, she was on something recently. ER. Yeah. ER, she was on ER and in the Avengers. She still looks good. Actually, she's in this new movie. Uh, I think she is anyway. The The Founder. Have you seen the posters of the trailer for this? No. This is the new Michael Keaton movie where Michael Keaton plays the guy who franchises McDonald's. Oh, yeah. So is he Ray Kroc in it? Yeah, I believe so. He's not He's not McDonald. Nick Offerman is McDonald. Right. Oh, uh, I'd be so interested to see that. Who Who's doing that movie? I don't know who's doing it. It's not like... Uh, in your Ritu or whatever. No, is it? thank God. No, <laughs> but I mean, if you want to win Best Picture, put Michael Keaton in your movie based on the last two two years of the Oscars, right? And based on Beetlejuice. <laughs> Beetlejuice did not win Best Picture. <laughs> what? <laughs> Beetlejuice two might win. I Best Picture. meant based on Batman. Batman also didn't win Best Picture. What? No. Okay. I guess recommendation here. Would you watch it? Would you recommend? The 10 people that listen to this show watch it? I'll take it a step further. I think that Freaks and Geeks is Bullerian, and you have a responsibility to watch it. What? Okay, define Bullerian, because that's a word that I've never heard used. I mean, is- I mean that it is like Ferris Bueller, and, oh. and it is an essential 
of okay. pop culture. Sure. Especially since it's not like I'm asking you to to make a commitment to six seasons of Game of Thrones. I'm saying these are 21 episodes that are built for everybody. Right. Because they are about you. This and, is and that Criterion might, Collection pop culture. It's it's a must. I, I believe that. All right. Yeah, I think I think it's a must watch too. Yeah. It's and it's entertaining, it's funny. It can get kind of sad, but it's not Horace and Pete level of sad, so you're still good. No, and it is kind of interesting because that's another thing, Apatow, less so Feig, mm-hmm. but because he's a little bit more um, more out there than, than Apatow. Right. He loves to, to, to include really dark and, and serious and sad stuff. You take a movie like This is 40, which I can't watch, um, namely because, again, the people are hateful because they're real mm-hmm. and... Uh, married couples who are 40 fight a lot right um it's it's really bold and brave of him to to go to places like the daniel character the james franco character in freaks and geeks did cheat on that test and no he's not getting into university and yes he is peaking right now that is that is what that character is is got going on right where do you think these characters are present day see that would be that would be so sad you think so all of them it's it's true it's true of that 70s show too Hyde is going nowhere right and that's like you don't want to think about that but like if they were to do um a movie about freaks and geeks so it's been what uh 16 17 years since freaks and geeks was on yep so say they did a freaks and geeks movie set in 1997 mm-hmm. different era uh, an era that people are willing to look back on now right it would be it would be really sad to see where some of those characters are <laughs> Lindsay turned out fine and right. so did so did the geeks probably. Right. But it stops there. You think so? Yes. You don't think that any of the other guys got into a trade? And just... No, I think Nick might have. Sure. And and like and like and maybe Daniel's a mechanic or something or yeah. or whatever. But but they're still in that town. And like you don't want to see that. There's yeah. no way you want to see that because you've seen what those actors became since they were awkward teenagers right. on a show that was failing and they were worried that they wouldn't get to be actors for the rest of their lives. Yeah. You've seen Seth Rogen make $100 million. Right. And so, I mean, I guess it would hurt a little bit less for him to go back to playing Ken, who is working in a garage. Not that there's anything wrong with working in a garage, but you know that he turned out okay, so maybe it would hurt a little bit less. But if you loved that character, you want the best for them, which is why it's okay to watch them in a high school setting where it feels like you're hurting, but you're safe. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. At the end of the day, everything's still kind of okay. Well, and you have the same teachers. Yeah. And I mean, the teachers are, are, are pretty horrible to them. Did you notice in, in Love, the guidance counselor Jeff Rosso and Mr. Kowchevsky were the two old men who lived near Paul Rust's character? No, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, there's two freaks and geeks actors uh, right there. And I hope we don't turn out like them. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> two best friends that have lived together forever? <laughs> we should be so fucking lucky. Mr. Kowchevsky is also the math teacher in Superbad, which is like a one-line part, and it's oh, just yeah. in the distance. Right. You wouldn't know if you wouldn't know. Right. There's some really funny people in Superbad that, like, Brian Husky is the football coach on the field. Okay. And he is hilarious he's on like children's hospital and stuff. dave franco is the other kid on the soccer field in super bad oh they're yeah. like people don't forget yeah that's dave franco it's, it's fucking soccer yeah yeah so i think that's the show i think that's the show for another week um that's the show show do you think do you think that freaks and geeks is a must watch i think uh, we yeah on that. yeah absolutely i would never say don't watch freaks and geeks i think that would be definitely watch it favorite line from the pilot episode of freaks and geeks 
Oh, um, I have one. Go. Uh, it's said in the gym class, and Bill says to Neil, "Should I be wearing a cup for this?" And Neil says, "That's between you and your God, Bill." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that cracked That's, me right up. That is a great line. <laughs> and um, another one I have, I wrote down too. Um, this is uh, we were talking about the scene where um, where Sam gets to dance with Cindy. Yeah. So this is previous to that when he asks her to the date, and you're like, "Way to go, Sam! You asked the pretty girl yeah. to." To, to the dance um, she says no she's already got a date but I'll save you a dance right and then she walks away and she's gone yeah. she's totally gone and, and then Sam say? says to himself that could be good yeah <laughs> that could be good <laughs> he got turned one, down one dance <laughs> <laughs> just eternal optimist that's yeah. why he's so funny on that show I know I think my favorite line is uh, the, discussing the strategy of of uh, how to take the bully down and Neil's uh, thought process is just be like Han Solo, like Han Solo did to Jabba the Hutt. Avoid him. <laughs> <laughs> like he can just avoid him forever. And Martin's just like for four years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, see, great. it's a good show. There's it's lines awesome like show. that. Definitely. Hey, uh, let us know what you think of Freaks and Geeks, or 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 what you think of our show. As long as you have good feedback, otherwise we don't want to hear from you. Uh, let's read the bad feedback too. That'd be funny. If we got bad feedback, we'd definitely talk about it on the show. Yeah, which we're definitely gonna get bad feedback if anyone listens to this. By the way, listener, you're the only listener. <laughs> yeah, get in on the ground floor level. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, yeah, um, we're at Show Show Podcast uh, on Twitter. You already found us on our iTunes link. We're still kind of frigging around with that. If you listen to the the Game of Thrones episode, which we did first, and you you found that it 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 was released after the new season of Game of Thrones uh, started, it's because we're having a little bit of trouble launching our RSS feed. We'll figure that out down the road. It's but, not our fault. And uh, we we kind of already spilled the beans about what we're going to do for our third episode. So you got a, a head start. Yeah, on... we want to do. We want to tackle Horace and Pete. Yeah. It's gonna be, I'm probably gonna uh, feel very sad a bunch of times before because uh, well, I, I want to watch as much of the episodes as I can. There's only 10. It's a thing right now. It's topical. I've already watched the first episode. I've listened to like every Louis CK podcast about him talking about making it and he's right. just so passionate about it that I want to watch it all but it could be tough. All right. Well, we'll save it for next week. Thanks for listening. We are Sweets and Slaney. This has been the show show. And uh, what was our sign-off going to be today? Oh, uh, I don't know. Never go outside. Never go outside. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>